0: Hey, what's going on, guys? You're listening to the Modern Day Sniper Podcast. You got Phil and Kalen here, your hosts. For those that are tuning in for the first time uh to the Modern Day Sniper Podcast, you know, this podcast is uh, for that modern day rifleman looking for relevant information to elevate his craft. Um, you know, Kalen and I talk about, you know, the art of long range shooting and not only, you know, the technical aspect of it, but also understanding how to put mindfulness behind the rifle. Um so if you're new to the podcast, uh, welcome, hopefully you guys enjoy the content. You know, if you're kind of looking to more about what, uh, what modern day sniper is, uh, we cover that on episode one. So our very first podcast, and if you just want a little bit more information on who Kalen and uh, Phil are, uh, we've got, um, episode two and episode three dedicated to, uh, who the host behind uh, modern day sniper is. And, uh, you know, one thing I just want to put out there is just remembering that, you know, although, uh, you know, Kalen and I, you know, started modern day sniper, you know, if, if you are of the mindset that, Hey, you know, I'm going to put my ego down. Uh, I'm going to, you know, figure out what it's going to take for me to grow and, and be better at, or, or try to master my craft. I mean, you, you have that modern day sniper aspect or a modern day rifleman. So, you know, it's not just Kalen and Phil's show you know, if you're that guy that's, you know, listening to these podcasts and, you know, doing what what you can to be a master of your craft, you know, you are as well a modern day sniper. So, um, yeah, welcome to the show. Well put,
1: very well put. I dig it. Um, so, in keeping with uh, our opening uh, explanation here, the last podcast we discussed, um, uh, let's see here, we discussed the Tremor 3 reticle, we discussed... Um, the hornady 4 degree of freedom app and a little bit of the you know the the intricacies of that um uh, and then how to find your um mile per hour value of your rifle and those are some topics that uh you know we see out there at least I do anyways you know people don't really have a very firm grasp of that stuff and so um it's nice to be able to talk about it because there are there are a lot of different ways to explain those theories or n- not even really theories explain those uh, little quick formulas. And sometimes it just takes a different way of listening to it to make it click. And, um, you know, we're, we all learn in different ways. So sometimes it's, it's best to, to hear it a, co- a bunch of different ways. So we did not get to cover, uh, some things that I wanted to discuss in the last podcast. So we're going to break it into this one. Um, we kind of wanted to talk about like technology and sniping. We kind of left that off on notes and then, uh, maximum point blank range optimum point blank zero, which also includes encompasses danger space. And, um, we got a question from a listener or follower, uh, asking about cold bore shots and what's up with a cold bore shot. So, um, again, another, uh, technical episode for you guys. So, uh, looking forward to this one.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, keep in mind, you know, uh, Caitlin and I try to do the best we can to moderate ourselves because we can easily, especially on the last, um, last episode you, you <laughs> i think uh we ended up going down the, the rabbit hole of the ford off that's why it kind yeah. of took a little longer yeah. um and again we want to make this you know a conversation uh conversation based so it's not just so like um you know it just so scripted just because you yeah, know we, we've had those podcasts with those certain individuals it, it just I, I just feel like there's no flow and no authenticity to it so yep um you know continuing continuing on with our last technical podcast you know there's just a lot of i think what we want to do with this is is pretty much um wrap up some unfinished answers that you guys might have as you guys are listening to that last podcast yeah for sure it's um
1: this stuff can be it can be dry but like phil said we want we definitely want to keep it a conversation because that's really all it is 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 a conversation and i've you learn way more from just listening to a conversation than you do like bulleted structured points in my personal opinion. Um, geez, I don't, I can't remember the last time I taught from a PowerPoint. I don't even teach from PowerPoint anymore. It's, um, it's one of those things that I just like having that, uh, that interaction with the student that way. Um, so with that being said, let's, let's, uh, talk about maximum point blank range and, um, what, and how often do we see that used, Phil?
0: Um, So I I know that it came, uh, you know, going back to the history of the marksmanship program for uh, scout snipers. It it came uh, after uh, pretty much uh, our generation, the generation of snipers that pushed through Iraq. Um, And one thing that I remember going through school in 2001, the uh, POI, which stands for Program of Instruction, which is pretty much, it's like um, what uh, all the Scout Cyber Schoolhouses has to go off of when they're uh, going off their curriculum. And uh, one of the things that was added in there, other than, you know, known distance marksmanship and unknown distance marksmanship was uh, max point blank qualifications. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started seeing that um, being implemented in, in my unit training, even before I went to cyber school, probably about 2009, 2010, uh, because I believe uh, Urban Sniper, uh, some of my senior snipers that had attended that course, um, they came back with that knowledge and, and kind of um, uh, gave. So I, I would say, post, you know, uh, OIF one and OIF two era. You, yep. Yeah, I mean, pretty much you were. You I mean, you guys, Kalen uh, were the were the. Um, I would say I would say founders of it, but you guys pushed. Hey, this is what you guys need to be teaching after you guys after actions from yeah. Iraq.
1: It was, it was very, it was very uh, apparent that the way that we had been training in the past was not, uh, was not getting it done in terms of translating those skills into real world scenarios. And a lot of that stuff just came from straight up understanding what your, uh, what your bullet is doing in time and space as it flies from the muzzle to the target. And then being able to interpret that data and take advantage of, um, the bullets performance, uh, and maximize it for a specific target size and really that's all uh, that's all max point blank is maximum point blank is the maximum range at which you can hit a specific size target without changing your sites that's really all that is um, and so getting people to understand what that means is means that you have to be able to interpret ballistic data, right? You got to be able to look at a chart and you have to be able to, to identify what that is. And so as an example, uh, maximum point blank range for, um, uh, is going to be different for each individual target size. So if you're, if you're a hunter and you're looking to say, okay, I want to know how far away I can shoot at a deer without changing my sights from a hundred yard zero. Um, then basically all you're going to do is you're going to look at your chart and find out where you have, um, a specific inch, specific measurement of drop. So like a mule deer, an average size mule deer is what about a vital zone of about 12 to 14 inches. So let's just call it uh, 13 inches. So what we're going to do is you cut 13 inches in half and you figure out that, okay, I have six and a half inches of drop. So wherever, I look at my chart and I say, okay, wherever six and a half inches of drop is, and that correlates to a range, then that's your maximum point blank range for a hundred yard zero. Right. And so that's below your line of sight. And so if you want to take full advantage of your maximum point blank range, you would figure out what, uh, next is called an optimum point blank zero. And this is the departure that a lot of people kind of like, they don't really, Either they don't get it or they didn't even know that it existed because it's a little different, right? So now if we look at it from the standpoint of a box, we're trying to keep the bullet inside a box, both high and low, right? Yep. So the high end is the is the top end of that 13 inches and the bol- and the low end is the bottom end of the 13 inches. And so if I hold on to the center, um, and that target ends up being like a hundred and Let's just call it. It's uh, let's just call it even three hundred yards away, um, uh, where my bullet experiences six inches of drop is three hundred yards. Okay, so that means that even if I hold center and the target's at three hundred yards, the bullet's going to impact right at the bottom of the vital zone. So, but then I'm missing that whole six and a half inches above the line of sight that I could that I could use to maximize the effectiveness of my trajectory. So, what we do is we figure out. Um, We make our zero range in a ballistic computer program what your maximum point blank range is, recalculate the solution, and then figure out again after that zero range where you have another six and a half inches of drop. That first number, which would be your original maximum point blank range, you're going to dial that onto your scope, right? You're going to dial it onto your scope and that's going to be your 300 yard zero. What you did was you just bought yourself another six and a half inches of vertical space to extend that max point blank range. Does that make sense?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, just, you know, going back, uh, real quick, I leave my dope on zero, my hundred yard zero. And let's say my drop is again, like you said, 300 yards, six and a half inches. In theory, perfect press shot. I should hit the bottom of that plate. Yes. The, The problem is, Is now I'm not utilizing that other six and a half of above that center aim point. Yep. So how do I? And the question is, how do I maximize that other six and a half? Okay. I have to figure out what that drop is, or um, sorry, uh, what would you call it? Max point. Your maximum point blank range. Yeah, maximum point blank range. So then when you dial that, now you have in theory, um, you know, if you dial on that uh, six and a half. If you shoot at three hundred, you should be at the very now top yes. of that plate, yep. right? Um, it ends so now, up
1: being it ends up being even less, right? It ends up being I don't think with that like yeah. what, most of my guns, it's like maybe three and a half inches above the line of sight that it's max org. So you still have yep. a ton left.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's so, that's the whole you know, that's
1: the whole thing. That's
0: it. Yep, and, and you know, so this this goes to you know we're talking here to. you you made the comment of a a hunter right so you know Mm -hmm. six and a half inches so you know how does this work in a hunter's advantage um realistically what i've seen teaching hunters for the last two years is you know the average rifle hunter takes about less than 20 rounds out of his rifle a a year prior to a hunt right um and and you and i both know that it's not even close to being um no. enough to be proficient uh with up. a with a rifle system. And you know I always get the question, you know, especially when we start going to alternate positions and, you know, uh shooting at different targets, um, you know, dialing, you know, the question I was just throwing, I was like, well, you know, in a in a hunting scenario, you don't have time to think about all that stuff. It's like you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> if you if you practice it, right? And you gotta train for it exactly but in the case you don't have the ability to train for it now we're giving you the tools it's okay if you dial your scope up let's say uh you know um i think it's, uh, for the six five cream it's four and a half minutes for uh, 300 yards and mm-hmm. that's your six and a half inches now in theory with a good perfectly placed shot you should be in the vital zone of a, a medium-sized game deer antelope whatever mm-hmm. out to you know let's say 450 yards Yep. without even dialing your scope and for yep. a lot of people that's long range for them you exactly. know what i mean um you know because a lot of guys that come to my course i mean 200 yards anything past 200 yards is considered long range but yeah i would say for you and i and, and you know the proficient uh, precision riflemen i mean because of you know three four hundred it was just because of the offerings of calibers nowadays i mean I don't even consider long range until anything past 500. Cause that's when I'm really truly uh, putting atmospheric data into my firing solution, such as when sure. uh, you know, uh, density, altitude, temperature, and all that stuff. Um, so that's for the hunter, right? Yeah. When and, I'm, uh, when can I'm go moving to t- when touch I, up on the uh, sniper aspect.
1: Yeah, for sure. W- one thing too, is like when I'm moving, um, like if I'm, if I'm hunting and even if my rifle's strapped to my backpack, um i've got my turret set for the optimal point blank zero so that way i'm maximizing that with my hunting rifle um my 7 som my magnus 7 som that is 380 yards right so i'm going to dial up to a dope of 290 yards and then that is my max point blank range for 100 yard zero I dial up to that 0.9 mils then my maximum point blank range from there is 380 yards. So anything inside 380 yards isn't, you know, that's just a point and shoot target with that dope setting. And so that's what, that's what we're trying to figure out. So now from the sniper perspective, uh, it's the exact same concept when you're moving and you're in a, and you're in situations where, you know, uh, contact might be imminent or you just don't know, you keep your rifle in a condition that will allow you to make man-size hits in a very, very quick, rapid fashion uh, inside uh, a maximum point-blank range. And that's, that's how we're effective on the battle space. And those are things that I did not get taught, and we had to learn those. We had to figure that out and say, well, the man, that happened really, really fast, and um, I did not have my shit together, and so how are we going to fix it?
0: Yeah. A lot of times, um, <laughs> I, I don't know why this came up to, to memory or it came into my head, but a lot, a lot of times, um, a, another misconception for snipers is that we're always taking headshots. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And, you know, when I was trained, it was like, nope, I'm going to put my radical on the most, um, uh, a, a center mass of my target. Right. Uh, you know, the most, uh, body that's going to be exposed, so, you know, one thing that, um, my seniors had brought from urban, and I'm not sure if this is still taught, you know, if you're listening, um, if it's still taught, that's good. Um, but, uh, you know, when, uh, we were in, when we were in Iraq, uh, our team leader always had the SAS and the 40, um, the dope dialed on 1.0 mils, mm-hmm. um, you know, because in, in Iraq, when I was in Fallujah, I mean. Uh, you know, then, I mean, you, you know, specifically that most engagements are, aren't even past 600 yards. I'd yeah. say the average is within 300.
1: Oh, easy. And because you, know. you can't see that far.
0: Yeah. There's yeah. only very,
1: there's only a few spots that you can see farther than that.
0: Yeah. Unless you're looking down like, you know, well, Rob, Michigan or just the main avenue approach. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think, you know, max point blank especially with a, uh, um, uh, semi-automatic uh, sniper system so the sass that's that's actually where uh the qual um not originated to because I think when I called we still did it on the 40, uh but um as I think as the curriculum grew and stuff like that. Um when I went to advanced, I think in two thousand sixteen as I was an instructor at that point when we did the uh Max point bank blank call, we were doing it on the M one hundred ten. Which made sense, you know what I mean, just yeah. because um you know, it's, it's a, it's a rapid engagement weapon system.
1: Yeah, It's what it's designed for. Um, and, and so that's where, what, what we see is, um, in order for you to like comprehend that information, you have to be, um,
0: you gotta be be very intimate, 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 with your data, right? You do, you know, this, this goes beyond just, you know, pulling your Kestrel out or whatever the only times throughout the range it's like, Man, how many times do I study? I mean, again, like it's like nerding out about it, but like get done with the range, and then I'm just looking at my you know data on my Ford off, and I'm just looking at the numbers. So I'm writing it down, yeah. and I'm seeing okay, hey, this is what this is what the trends are. This is what my uh, my gun number is, and stuff like that. And this is what I can get away with in terms of uh, you know um, shot placement if the target is you know this far because. Especially when we start talking about, you know, danger space and um, errors of uh, ranging your target. You know what I mean? It's like, I tell my students that all the time. It's like, you know, hey, you know, shooting is, is easy, but now let me throw into your equation of having you range your own target, right? Because mm-hmm. when I give them the range to the target, it's all easy, right? It's <laughs> exactly. like, you figure out a solution, but now let me put you under time and have you find your own range to your target you know, at the further ranges, if you're off by 25 yards, guess what? That's a clean miss. That's a total, that's a whiff, you know? Yeah. So. And that was one of the things that we started
1: to to come to understanding, you know, as you, as you learn more uh, as a teacher and an instructor in this game, you, you start to look at it from the perspective of, okay, like take, for example, unknown distance qualification. All right. So we're, we're expecting students um, to, to range estimate targets to within a tenth of a mil with a reticle that uh, is just a straight up mil dot reticle. Okay, that's fine. So what happens if you're off? And we're and we're going to qualify those students from 200 yards to 800 yards. So well within the, obviously the capabilities of the cartridge, the 308 Winchester. But then we start looking at okay, what if I misinterpret that reticle by a tenth of a mil? Well, that is a giant clean miss. Um, and when you start looking at it from that, from that perspective and say, okay, well, if I, can, if I can reliably only interpret the reticle to within two-tenths of a mil, um, what does that give me in terms of a range deviation? And then does the danger space of the projectile's trajectory uh, uh, basically assist with the range errors? I, I, am I making sense to you there
0: yeah so you know it, it pretty much um, depending on my ability to range the target am I still in the danger space yes. of being able to um, still right. somewhat get hits on target even even if I mess up milling that target is that is that kind of where you're going that's with?
1: exactly what I'm saying so okay um, yep. now but then again you're like well you know everybody did it um, But, man, it it was, like, way, way more stressful than it needed to be because you're operating on the very outside edge of the constraints of what the reticle can give you with accuracy. You know, so, like, if your target, that we didn't have any half mil marks. It was just a straight dot, a center crosshair, straight dot, and then the only other definitive measurement we had was edge to edge of the dot, which was – That's literally it. And so that was totally up to your interpretation of what the reticle looked like. And you had to come up with an algorithm in your own brain, so to speak, of like, hey, do I under mill targets or over mill targets? And then we got the issue of like, adjusting uh, the dimensions of the target you know, the the shooter's perspective, is it candid to you vertically or horizontally or both on a miter, meaning is it a compound angle? So all of those factors go into it and you're like, okay, well, how much reasonable um, degrees of accuracy can I hold a student to with all of those variables taken into account, right? And is it like, are these dudes passing by chance or is it actually something that you can get good at and put your finger on? So New reticle technology has given us the ability to range with far more accuracy, provided that the target itself is of the consistent size. Because that's the other big factor. Like you know, doesn't matter if like both Phil and you and me like if we have a reticle that we can get down to a tenth of a mill. If the target's candid, the target's candid, right? We're probably yeah, going to get. We, if
0: we if we don't know the size of the uh, size of the size of the target in inches exactly. correctly,
1: you know exactly. And so what I'm trying to drive home with this is that milling the target is simply an estimation. It is not an exact science per se, because every human shape is, every human is sized differently. Um, We're all different shapes and sizes. And so we have to look at that as nothing precise. It's only an estimate to get us close. And then we rely on the danger space of the projectile to help us out with any errors in that.
0: Um, I made a post, I think, a week ago, and I like I like what you had said because uh, the post was um, it was a GoPro video of me shooting at um, uh, advanced the instructors there again because I was going through as an instructor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the instructors, you know, let me kind of roll around with the GoPro and stuff like that. And uh, the qual was to find five targets. So we got to the box. We had five minutes by spotter and I, and uh, you know the we had to uh, identify five targets that the instructor called out. Um, and then we, we can only engage them as he called them out. So he's like, all right, target alpha is your first target. So we got to find that alpha and like a sea of targets. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're all labeled differently. So we find it, we got to mill it and then shoot it. And we, we have to be able to shoot all five within, uh, five minutes. And, uh, my question to the, um, I guess my audience was, um, you know, what's everyone's thoughts for those that are in the community thoughts on ranging target. And you had brought up a good point of understanding that, you know, mill estimation is only good for about, you know, medium ranges, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know uh, and it's a good way to establish target reference points and stuff like that. But you know, anything outside of those in- intermediate rate ranges, you're honestly, you're just wasting your time.
1: You really are uh, what and- i found. Yeah, it's like we even still see we still see a lot of uh, law enforcement sniper cor- courses focusing on range estimation with a mill dot reticle, and it's like that's a total waste of your time, dude. Like I, I remember, man, when I got like the little checklist, and it's like you were the size of the inch measurement of the size of a can of Copenhagen. Yeah. Um, so now I will say that I have done this. Um, I have done this deployed, um, because we didn't have range finders like we didn't, we, we got a couple of them, but it wasn't like we had a plethora of them. And so what I have done, what I did do is I would, I measured common sizes of objects. Like all the cinder blocks are pretty much the same size. All the taxi cab wheels are the same size. And so, um, you kind of steal a quick measurement of that stuff, uh, while we're out, uh, on patrols and you make a little data book, you know, a database of, of those measurements. So that way, You know, if you do have to establish a range to a target, you can get something pretty close if the range finder isn't with your team. And I mean, believe it or not, man, that's the way it was. So, um, we had to do what we had to do and that's how we relied on that. But we all knew that it was just an estimation. It wasn't very, very accurate. So, um, the optimum point blank range thing guys is important for you to know because, um, you can be very, very effective with your rifle. One of the very first things that I do when I sit down at a glassing spot is identify a terrain feature um, like on a, on a radius, an overhead view of a radius range card where you can look down and say, okay, if, if an animal steps out from there, from there on in, all I know is that I just have to pick up the rifle point and shoot. Right. And if it's at the very outer edges of that, I just hold, you know, halfway, I just favor high. On the critter and and turn it loose, and it's going to hit in the vital zone. And then I know after that, if a critter is outside of that threshold, then the next step is to go to my data card, which is on my arm board. And then obviously, then if the animal is outside the next threshold, which I would call um, time and opportunity, that's when I'm going to calculate a firing solution that's really really accurate um, from some sort of a ballistic solver, and not just hard data and so that's that's my system
0: i like it i like the the time and opportunity you know i think there's a you know there's a thing that we can do there as instructors i'm not now thinking about it as a um uh instructor here at gumworks is okay you know putting thresholds for all right you know if uh, a target is you know 300 yards and then you know give them obviously a uh a general size target and, you know, give them a time standard of, okay, your target's at 300. There's no, I mean, in theory, there's no sense in dialing. Exactly. Right? It's like, you know, he should just be able to get a good firing position and focus on breaking a clean shot. Yep. You know what and, I mean? and now and from past, a past, right. From, real uh, quick
1: from a real quick from a sniper's perspective, like that's 300 yards and in is way, way too close for me. Like, I don't yep. want, I don't want you anywhere near that range. So yep. that is danger close to me.
0: Yep. Um you know, because a thing that you have to be cognizant of too as a sniper is the um the capability of the enemy's rifle systems, right? Mm-hmm. So um uh, but uh you know I, I think as an inch as a hunter is going through, you know, my course, you know, now giving him essentially um uh you know tangible guidelines to be able to uh, engage targets depending on the distance. Mm-hmm. Right. For instance, like, you know, I shouldn't have to give an hunter three minutes to shoot a target at 300 yards. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? You know, but I, I, I would be able to give him about three to five minutes for a target at 800 yards because right. at that point he's got to range it. He's got to figure out a good wind call and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I like that time and opportunity.
1: Yep. And so that goes, that's something that we, that we focus on quite a bit. And it kind of goes hand in hand with that, you know, that's that speed shooting formula that the tremor three reticle provides. Um, It's really just, uh, it's an exercise in in understanding what your mill measurements are and then how to come up with uh, a quick firing solution and capitalizing on the danger space. And if you, what I like to do is I like to draw that out on a reticle on a whiteboard. We draw reticle and then we identify each aiming point and then at each aiming point, we then identify, I have the students, um, work their data a little bit more and find the danger space associated with each of those aiming points. Okay. What's your danger space at 150 meters? Okay. What's your danger space at 300 meters, 325 and so on and so forth. And then what I'll have them do is, is take a, like a colored marker and they make like a circle around the aiming point and that circle covers what the danger space is in in mills. And so then what they see is they start to overlap and obviously the closer to the center of the reticle they are, the, the, the bigger, the overlap is, but then they can visually see what their trajectory is doing um, in those zones and those zones be the danger space zones. And um, like that really, uh, that usually drives it home. Like, Whoa, okay. I see what's happening now.
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I like it. Um, one, one thing that I always recommend, uh, shooters, precision rifle shooters to invest in is a small little whiteboard, um, mm-hmm. for yourself. You know what I mean? Just to be able to quickly, like Kim was talking about draw your reticle or, or, or whatever. And, you know, honestly, what I found is you will learn so much more about your craft when you have to teach it to someone else. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I just posted a video of, of me uh, teaching Zoe. Um, that was super cool. By the way. Yeah. Just like one on, like, just like, you know, long range one-on-one, right? Like what the is yeah. doing when it comes at like as small and, and, and simple as that I can possibly make it. Yeah. And honestly, I learned from it I was like, man, this is pretty cool. Um,
1: Luke asked the, me all uh, the time. We sit at the dinner table and he's like, Dad, yeah. can I get another science lesson?
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Science lesson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh it, you know it's funny Is zoe at first hated math but she loves math now um uh yeah no she's uh it was it was super cool yeah but you know i'm telling you like you know kind what caitlin and i are talking about um you're you're probably if you're listening to this while you're driving again you're probably going to want to listen to this and yeah. and um,
1: and have again, a notebook home
0: with, have a notebook or Your again a whiteboard computer open uh, blissic calculator open and uh, you know, kind of walk through. So and, and it's, it's super important for um, I would say the, the sniper uh, because with, with e- it's easier for the sniper to know because you only, he's only got one system and won't really bullet to worry about. Um, you know, now that the 300 wind mag is in play for, um, for the Marine snipers mm-hmm. um, you know, that's something that you also have to take in consideration. Um, but you know, Hopefully, you're not employing um, the uh, you know 300 Win Mag unless the threat is past 800 yards. Yeah, right? that you, was you have you. Yeah, you have a weapon system right that should be able to you know engage targets with within 800. Right, that's yeah. the purpose of the 300. So,
1: I and that's another thing that that we discussed in great detail with that platform because um, however long the Mark 13 sticks around, um, there will be a heavy 30 Cal Magnum. Uh, filling that space, whether it's the Mark 13 or whether it's ASR, um, whatever the case may be coming down the road, that, that bolt gun asset now is going to be a heavy 30 cal, a back 30 cal. So I, we, we talked about like, Hey man, you can't run these things as hard as you could run an M40 because number one, you're going to cook them. Uh, and you're going to really prematurely wear barrels. Like you, you're only going to be able to heat cycle that barrel good once before you fry it. And so that was something that we talked about. And then also like, what is that weapon system? there for? it's a medium to long range interdiction rifle, time and opportunity. So, you know, I I like the tremor three reticle on top of that thing. Um, the speed shooting formula is it's accurate out to about 600 meters with, with, um, an accurate target size, which is a good capability to have. But, uh, think about that platform for what it really is designed for. And that is a medium to long range target interdiction rifle.
0: Um, you know, and and for the civilian shooter, civilian guy audience that are listening, it's like, well, well, you know, if they burn out barrel, why don't, why don't they just switch it out? It's like, man, I wish it was that, that easy in the Marine Corps, the amount of steps that that rifle has to go through just to, I mean when I lost a rifle um back in my unit I didn't see it for um 4 to 6 months sometimes yeah. even a year um and, I you know if you ever saw it again if you yeah. ever saw it again yeah um yeah. or you know if they issued just a, a brand new rifle but yeah. uh, even with the smallest things that that goes down so yeah. you know and, I, I did best I could to keep everything in house and
1: even uh, even stuff is like now as you know a lot of you guys that are listening to this are are you know recreational shooters or enthusiasts or active competitors, um, and you're going through several barrels a season. Now, something that you need to understand where like you could probably look at this and say, well, that's super simple. You know, what's the big deal? That's not common knowledge. And the fact is that it's not. Not every one of um not every one of these guys is a, you know, is a is a gun guy in their off time. And very um and if they're not, their chances of seeing a fresh brand new barrel on on a sniper rifle are very, very slim, especially because we've had 308s into the cycle for as many years and decades as we have that we all know that those barrels are going to go, you know, 10,000 plus. And so the chances of seeing a new barrel and like knowing what to do with it and how to actually break it in and, and, you know, like remove all the myths and stuff that surrounds barrel break in. That's not common knowledge. So um, that's what we're also trying there to do is to educate. And to and to say, hey, this is how you deal with this, because you're going to get a slew of them here in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, is it you know something to be, you know, like you said, conscious of, and uh, you know, for you know, for that for that sniper that's listening in, and you know, hopefully, information hasn't shot over your head. It, it this this what Kalen just talked about with you know, max point blank. It's one of those things that, you know, right now you're listening to it and you're receiving the information from an audible source. But again, if you, if you kind of write it down, look yeah. at the numbers in your, in your, in your ballistic calculator, whether it's, whether it's a cash roll or whatever, um, and don't have that sorry excuse to just like, well, I can't keep my Kestrel on me because it's issued to the armory. It's like, oh boy, you can extrapolate the same exact data and put all that horny for it off. That Kaelin okay. and I just talked about in the last podcast. Yep. Same exact information, and guess what? It's going to kick out the same exact numbers. Yep. So,
1: yeah, man. Um, that's uh, that's probably a, another discussion for another podcast. But like um, the the level of responsibility that comes with being a volunteer, uh, and that's something that we discussed in great yeah. detail. And like you,
0: law enforcement covered process. that on the uh, the fourth fourth podcast. Yep. Yeah. Understanding what it is to be a volunteer. I like it.
1: Yeah. Um, but so getting back to the, getting back to the danger space stuff and the optimum point blank zero, um, those are all, that's all stuff that are, that information is really, really useful for you to kind of build your repertoire with your rifle and really get in touch with what it's capable of doing. Uh, cause then you're able to see it like visually. Um, And if you do have an opportunity to do it on the range, like if you can go place your own steel, man, I would suggest proving it, like run the numbers and then put that steel at those distances, shoot at it and see where the bullets land on it and prove it to yourself. Make sure that everything is jiving with the way that you think it's supposed to jive. And I guarantee once you start seeing that stuff, you're going to, you're going to change the way that you view what you can do with the rifle. Uh, in an interim solution like yeah i don't i don't have to dial my turrets and be so 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 precise inside of 400 yards so um yeah and i mean hunter's been doing it for a long time it's just like yeah okay well we're zeroing an inch and a half high at at 100 yards well you're doing the same thing you're basically mimicking um a maximum point blank range which typically is going to be a 300 yard zero like that um but then getting people to understand what's actually going on with that and being able to explain it, that's the difference. And so, um, leads me to my next little blurb here. I was taking some notes and, uh, I came up with, um, you know, if a teacher doesn't know something well enough to teach the how behind the why, then there will undoubtedly be a progressive degradation in knowledge within the community making dogmatic thinking low-hanging fruit right so it's if you if you're not passing on the how behind the why um or even vice versa the why behind the how you're really just at that point just saying hey it is what it is because i said so and that's that's where we get into trouble and that's where dogmatic thought processes come into play like saying um Yeah, it is, just is. That's like the the win call formula that we talked about last podcast. Well, yeah, that's what it is. I'm like, okay, well, do you know how you got to those numbers? What if you had to manipulate those numbers, change them up a little bit? Um, Well, yeah, I don't really know that. Okay, well, then if that individual is to try to pass that on to somebody else, which often that is their responsibility, then... It's just, then it just turns into, well, that's just the way it is. And I don't know why, again, in not keeping in tradition of, or the, the process of, Hey man, it's progression, but you still got to remember where it came from.
0: I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you know, one thing that I I definitely want to cover in a podcast is, you know, what it takes to be a good student, right? I, I think, uh one of the worst excuses that you could have is, you know, especially as a sniper is if you attend a school and you fail and you say, well, I just didn't, I just didn't get enough training, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I wasn't trained correctly or whatever. I didn't have enough, you know, uh, uh, uh rounds down range and, you know, the sniper school is designed for someone to literally go from zero to hero. And we do it all the time. You know, we, we take, you know, O three twenty ones that are very talented and you know, you push them through cyber school and they pass. Right. Without even shooting a single round out of a sniper rifle beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, that's obviously the, the, the capability of the individual, but you know, translating it into combat, it's like the last thing you want to do when you're in combat is like, man, I wish I w- you know, I wish I would have been better trained prior to coming out here with, especially with so many um, assets that we have now with with how available information is to get into long range and, you know, building your own rifle system that that's yeah. based on a budget. Because I get it, you know, um, you know when you're a Lance Corporal or Corporal on a budget, you know, you, you can't be dropping $6,000, $10,000 $10, on a rig. But you can still buy an affordable you know, rifle system that uh, you're still doing the same thing of, of honing your individual skills of fundamentals. It doesn't matter how that rifle system is going to operate. It's building that muscle memory of understanding. Okay. You know, this is how I run the bolt. This is how I get into position in and out, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and this is how I extrapolate or build my own data. And, and when you start building your own data, this is one thing that I learned too, when I started getting into the civilian sport, having to build um, data for a gun, that's not a 308. <laughs> right yep. Yep. it was like you know because those are the numbers i have stuck in my head you know uh you know the uh, uh rated twist is a 110 you know muzzle velocity my you know g 7s a 0.243 blah 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 but now build a build, like, um, build a profile for a 65 cream more 140 grand eldm mm-hmm. you know what i mean and then that what that does it, it it forces you to find that information yep that's out there that's all public source you know what mm-hmm. i mean and now it's like you can you can like you said you can just be more intelligent about understanding where these numbers are coming from, yeah. not just because why is that why is the, the one seventy five grain you know Sierra match King a point two four three you know or whatever the case is whatever question that gets popped up, um, and I was tell this is what I was tell my students is um when I was a sniper school instructor millennials made me a better instructor um you know when they would ask why it wasn't because you know, it was, they were being disrespectful is because they were, um, wanting a deeper understanding of what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it forced me to look at the data or look at, you know, some information if I couldn't give them a, a straight answer. And I just, I just didn't want to pull shit out of out of my ass of what was, um, you said dogmatic and just a regurgitation of what was taught by my seniors, you know? Yes.
1: Exactly. That's, that's so important, man. It's so important that, uh, that you continuously work against that mindset because that's where the stagnation really occurs is, uh, is, you know, you start getting into, well, man, that's just the way, I don't know. That's just the way they told me to do it. Um, yeah, that, that doesn't fly with me. Uh, and it shouldn't fly with you either because at the end of the day, it's your ass. Um, whether you're a military sniper or a law enforcement sniper, it is your ass. Um, you're the one behind that rifle. So that's super important to, uh, to, to think about and to incorporate into your lifestyle if you're choosing that path. So I, I guess also, remember,
0: guys, this, this. go ahead. Go ahead. guys like this, 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 this yeah this, this podcast again, you know, as much as we love to drop technical data, but understanding that mindfulness behind the rifle, right? You know, you know, being a modern day sniper is not just being a really good trigger puller. It's understanding the process. It takes up until that point of, of pressing the trigger. You know, what Hollywood shows all the time is, you know, guys in a super, you know, sick hide or whatever the case is, you know, popping heads from long distance. But what they never show is the process that the sniper does to even get there mission planning, understanding, calm, all that stuff. This is the same exact thing with you're doing with your rifle is all of the behind the scenes work that you should know about your rifle inside and out to be intimate with it so that you're not just, again, just being a trigger puller. Indeed.
1: Which I think this is, uh, this is one of those, another, uh, kind of a good wrap up topic. Um, the, uh, the topic of cold shots. You got that question from one of the listeners about cold shots and Hey, is this really a thing? Um, and, uh, what's up with cold shots? So who who did it come from? Somebody on your, one of your followers?
0: No, it's uh, actually it was on our modern day sniper, um, Instagram. And, uh, you know, I won't say is, um, if he's listening to this, he'll probably know who it was. Um, but you know, I got it today. And he, you know, it says that he enjoys the podcast, so appreciate the support, man. But uh, I would love to hear some content about the infamous, quote unquote, cold war shot and the inaccuracies that come with it. Is it myth or is it real? Uh, What can we do to correct, anticipate it, um, those disparities? Curious to see what type of suggestions and information you two gentlemen have on it.
1: Right on, man. Well, thanks for the question. It's definitely something that uh, we do get asked a lot and um there is a there's a lot of common misconceptions out there surrounding the subject so um first and foremost um it's more along the lines of understanding what condition your rifle's bore is in whether or not it's uh, fouled or whether it's it's clean and that's really going to dictate whether or not you have a cold shot um A lot of times we talk about, you know, the, the, the cold barrel, meaning it's literally cold temperature wise. Um, and the first round through it is going to have a different point of impact. And there's a lot of, um, uh, kind of urban myths and legends out there surrounding that. And, you know, you just can't, um, you can't impart enough heat into that steel, especially from a super heavy contour barrel that you find on most tactical rifles. You can't impart enough heat into the barrel with that very first shot to impart a change in the metallurgy of the, of the barrel, number one. Um, and number two, if, if that is the case, um, then if we haven't cleaned the barrel since we shot it last, then that bore condition should be the exact same bore condition it was when we shot it last, right? That's, that, that's an obvious factor. And so that is why we don't typically see cold shots from modern rifle barrels that are appropriate in size for what we're trying to do with them and um, making sure that we have a good quality barrel as well.
0: Yeah, the, the cold bore shot, and and i've really what i talk about is more cold shooter mm-hmm. um than anything uh, you, you know, almost again,
1: it's like you expect something bad to happen
0: yes and again my my real time all of my uh current teaching and and uh experience as of now is with hunters right you know when i was a cyber school instructor you know that was got two and a half, three years now, or two years now. Um, so, you know, I, I try to stay as uh, well as I can relevant to, you know, who I'm teaching now and and what I, what I would say with what I found with my hunters that come through class, you know, and they're taking their first shot out of the day, uh, it, it usually boils down to them just being a cold shooter. Yes. Right. Um, and you know, what is it, you know, even if you go to the range, what is the very first thing that you do as soon as you break that shot? You adjust your position because you probably weren't ready for the recoil that you you were just hit with. Mm-hmm. So you adjust your body the way you, you know, uh, interface with it and stuff like that, just cause you're not used to shooting a hundred to 200 rounds a day. Like, you know, probably Kalen and I do, um, you know, so, you know, I see it all the time, all 12 students, as soon as they break that first shot, they get hit with recoil, they come off target, and what's the very first thing they do? They're squirming around. They're squirming around, right? They're trying to find their target, they're readjusting where that rifle's sitting in their shoulder, you know, and and that is all changing. That is changing the way you're interfacing with that rifle, which is ultimately changing the harmonics of not just the barrel, but the whole rifle in itself. Yep, it's connection to you. Yes, that's why when you shoot a rifle in a lead sled or let's say, you know, with competitors, what they call free recoil, and you know, with a um, when you're shouldering the rifle correctly, you're going to have all three d- uh, different point of aim, point of impact shifts.
1: Yep, that's uh, yeah. We, we actually had a, a conversation about that not too long ago um, on one of the the social media forums. Like uh, somebody posted, "Hey, I'm having like I'm seeing a definitive change in my point of impact based upon the pressures that I'm putting into the gun." And it's like, well, this isn't new news. It's just, um, again, it's the, the, <laughs> it's the progression without forgetting where you came from. So yeah, man, it's common. It's, it's a fairly common knowledge that like time that you change the weight of what that rifle is recoiling up against, then it's going to then change the angle that the rifle
0: is jumping like that to change the weight. I've never put it in that perspective. That's, that's, I, I usually say pressure. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's really, good.
1: what is it, what's it recoiling up against? Like I'm going to, I'm going to do an experiment with this and, and figure it out. Um, try to do something quantifiable um, that you can measure and, and see if there's a, 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 a replicatable um, phenomena that you can see with regard to the specific amount of weight that the rifle's pushing up against through recoil. And so getting back to the cold bore shot, um, to, to, to wrap that up, the cold bore shot is, you know, if you were to clean your gun, now, if you were to clean your gun, um, and by cleaning, what I mean is removing copper from it, not just carbon fouling, but copper fouling. Um, yes, you run the risk of having, uh, a, uh, a, a, it can be possibly a fairly significant shift in your point of impact. Um depending on how much copper you pulled out of the barrel and and all that stuff. So um, what I typically subscribe to is if I'm going to clean the gun, the only thing I clean is carbon until I reach a critical, a critical point in my round count. And I'm going to clean the barrel before it starts to go fall away in accuracy. Um, and there's a couple of different trains of thought there too, but I mean, man, I remember going through schools that they would have us clean like three times a day. Like we would shoot, we'd shoot a morning session, um, like 20 or 30 rounds or 40 rounds or whatever. And then be like, all right, clean your guns. And you're like, fuck man, I got to clean this thing again. And what they were doing is they wanted, they needed you to, um, shoot a cold bore shot. And really what it was is a clean bore shot. And they just wanted to know that you could track your point of impact shift well enough that you could get qualified to go shoot out in an uncontrolled environment on a civilian, like a, a training environment in a civilian atmosphere. So they're like making sure that their asses are covered from an instructor standpoint, but it was such a huge pain in the ass. And it was a total waste of time because if we would have just not cleaned the copper out of the bores, everything would have been cool. and You wouldn't have had a point of impact shift.
0: Yeah. I, 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 always tell, you know, this is kind of hard to talk about cleaning a little bit, but, um, I guess just goes natural flow with our conversation, but there's two types of, of ways that, you know, you would want to clean a rifle, um, uh it's i call it operational cleaning and accuracy cleaning um you know when i was going through schools you know advanced um urban and mountain um one thing that i always did was you know operationally clean them meaning i'm going to clean out all the operating stuff of that rifle so the bolt uh, everything that's operating out of it the bolt you know, inside the chamber because the, uh, the cartridge is moving in and out of the chamber just so that I don't have any, you know, hard bolt lifts or, or, you know, anything getting gummed up. Um, but <laughs> I didn't really start cleaning my, uh, barrel, you know, punching solvents down the, the, the bore until about a hundred, 150 rounds. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, it wasn't every 40 rounds, right. Every two boxes of ammunition we were issued just because like you said, it was a waste of time. Yep. Right. Um, so, you know, what I always recommend to shooters, uh, again, going back to my hunters, is um, obviously you never want to take a clean barrel on a hunt. I yeah, hope that good. at least you have a few rounds down range, you know. Again, you know, the, the typical rifle hunter, pulls his rifle out for hunting season, sights it in two to three rounds, verifies a couple of trajectories, and... You know, that's another, you know, five or six rounds. And then that's it. And then he takes his, uh, you know, one or two shots, depending on how many, how many um, tags that he, he uh, got that year. And, you know, that's it. That's his, his season. Um, but you never want to clean after you, you get done with the rain session. You just want to leave it dirty. Um, and for my competitive shooters, what I tell them is, hey, you know, the average competitor on a two-day national level match, just shooting about 200 to 250 rounds, and maybe I practice before that, maybe 100 rounds, so 350 rounds. You know, I meet personally. I clean my barrel after every pretty much match session, so practice and a whole match, uh, and that's my cleaning routine, right? Because I know that my gun shoots from zero on a, zero to 350 rounds without the group sizes opening up. Does that make sense? Yep. And honestly, you're never gonna know how your gun is gonna operate if you don't explore that world mm-hmm. if that makes sense to the listeners so it's like if if you've got if you want to experiment, trust but verify take your gun all the way to a thousand rounds to see it's if it's still performing, you know what I mean, and then you're gonna know right and that's you know it goes into keeping an accurate round count and stuff like that, but then you're gonna know man, I don't even have to go clean my gun for the first thousand rounds and it's still shooting lights out. Yeah. So now, you know, you know, now you don't have to be super anal about cleaning your gun after every 60 rounds or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. It's uh that's one of those things that every rifle barrel is like, it has its own set of secrets that yes. the only way that you're going to unlock them is to shoot it and to experiment yep. with it. Um, and you know, there are critical things that like uh, Jim C actually posted, um, something a good article from his company elite accuracy um it was it was quite a quite a ways back but it was like what happens when you you clean a rifle um towards the end of its life cycle or you know the last third of its life cycle you can actually permanently damage it if you clean it too much um and it'll end up prematurely uh, falling away on you in terms of accuracy. So um, that's, again, that's like deep into the minutiae of it. Uh, but um, just be aware, guys, that the cold bore shot is really just a myth. And it's, um, it's, uh, it's as long as the rifle is left in the same condition that it was the last time you shot it, you will not have a cold shot. And make sure that you're, your mind is not your own worst enemy when it comes to the first round uh, of the day, so to speak. Cause that's really where, where it is. It's like 80%. It, most of this stuff is mental.
0: Yeah. And and guys, the best way to, to again, trust but verify is after you know have a, a, a range day, go, you know, depending on how far your range is, it's go out to uh, go to the range the next day and try to shoot a minute to a minute and a half target out of the distance that you want to shoot at. Um, you know I do it all the time as a as a uh, competitive or getting ready for a competition is you know I the very first round that I shoot after you know um, after a day of training uh, before I go to a match or whatever is I'll go straight out to like I've got a 840 yard plate 10 inch disc um, and I'll take a I'll take a shot at that and I'm usually you know just off by a wind call yep um, but I know my elevation is solid so That's that that, confidence that for me, it builds confidence in my rifle system, right? Because you guys, you, you guys can, you know, sit here and listen to us. Kalen and I talk about uh, our experiences and stuff like that, but that's because we've, we've gained that experience and that confidence with the rifle systems that we've shot. So, you know, this is us telling you go out and gain that confidence with your rifle yeah man like so that what? you can you know you can essentially testify and and believe yourself and, and your rifle system that it's capable of doing that yeah
1: it, it and don't get lost in the in the in the hype when you hear people say man I, I must i don't know what's going on i must be chasing dope and you're like well i don't know if you're chasing dope or if it's just you because um you know and a lot of people now uh, people complain about not wanting to have paper um they don't want to have paper in competitions anymore. And the reason that they don't want to have paper in competitions anymore is because paper sucks to shoot at because it isn't going to lie. Um, And it's going to show you literally everything. And so, you know, you chasing that dope, I guarantee that if you were to shoot that exact same shot group on a piece of paper at a hundred yards or a hundred meters, you would be seeing. And if you shot it at the exact same tempo that you shot that last iteration you'd be seeing the exact same mistakes that you were making um without being wind of course you'd see those elevation and flyer errors come up on paper and it's paper is the great equalizer man and um not enough credit is given to paper with regard to marksmanship fundamental training and um just keeping yourself in check as a you know from a, a fundamental standpoint
0: uh what's the Kalen, you know this a lot better than I do. What's the national average uh for a, a law enforcement sniper shot? 57 yards. Okay, so 57 yards. Um you know kind of you know going back to the the question that we uh derived this kind of topic on or discussion on, uh, I think he had asked, you know, what kind of things as a law from a law professional standpoint can I can I do? Um you know, honestly, again, building that confidence and, and shooting paper out to 200 just to see it for yourself, you know. And, mm-hmm. and um, from my understanding, I mean, your, your goal is to be within a T box. How big is a T box? Like, a, what, two by four?
1: Yeah, we, we hold uh, at, at the, for our standards, it's like a, a three inch. It's basically what you're trying to do is replicate like the ocular, ocular cranial cavity. So it's like a three inch inverted triangle. Right. So like tip goes edge of each eye sock, edge of each eye corner.
0: And and honestly, like, you know, I don't, I don't want to speak, uh, I don't want to speak ahead of myself here, but based on the fact that the national average is 57 yards, if you're thinking about taking a hundred to 50 to 200 yard shot as a law enforcement officer, I'm I'm glad you're prepared for that. But to be able to get clearance to take that shot, you know what I mean? Especially in a hostage situation.
1: Yeah. It's largely so dependent it, on, on lots of factors. Yeah.
0: You know, so I would, I would, it would be safe to say, uh, you know, I would be taking those or I would be practicing those, maybe those uh, hostage um, situations in, in, a, in a closer proximity, mm-hmm. you know? So you shouldn't be, what I'm trying to say is like you shouldn't be practicing hostage scenarios out to three, 400 yards. Cause that's, right. it's, it's just not practical. It's a waste of your time. Right.
1: Yep. It's uh, there's too many variables involved to make a reliable uh, impact or a predictable definitive impact, especially in a surgical shooting scenario like that. That's uh that's serious stuff in terms of accuracy. And that's where, and that is what paper is going to prepare you to do. And as mundane as paper is, man, it's, um, it's one of those skills that, uh, if you're in, if you really want to be ruthlessly precise, the paper's where it's at in terms of training. So, well, did we cover everything we wanted to cover?
0: Um, I think so. I think we're, we're kind we of up on the on the hour here. Um, Kalen, I think you're, we've got two in the pipe now. Kalen's getting ready to go to Costa Rica Yo. to, you know, a little vacay.
1: Our annual our annual international trip.
0: Oh yeah, that's good. Um, one thing that uh, I appreciate um, about you, Kalen is you always talk about um, being kind to yourself, and you know that's again a testament to uh, you know what you're doing is being kind to yourself and in, in, in um, you know taking time off to do that stuff. Because, I mean, January and February for at least for me has been pretty brutal with shows and. Mm-hmm. Uh, traveling and stuff like that, so I'm um, I'm glad to finally be home for the next six weeks before my first traveling course. Um, but uh, I think the last thing that I did want to talk about was understanding and knowing your dope. As again a, a military uh, sniper, I, I just feel like this is super important. Um, one of the things that I I really appreciate it for my seniors. You know, when I was first coming up in the scout sniper platoon as a nasty young pig, again, for our new listeners, pig stands for professionally instructed gunman. That is a, uh, that is a Marine who has not been through sniper school yet graduated. Um, so, you know, as a, a Marine in a scout sniper platoon, when I was a pig, one of the things that uh, I appreciated my seniors doing was having me memorize my dopes out to a thousand yards. hmm now from a from a practical standpoint as I you know peel back the layers and after all my years of experience and training and stuff like that it's like do I really need to go out to to a thousand yards Uh, it's nice you know because I can jump on any sniper rifle and kind of get that gun dialed in on a a full lipstick you know what I mean Uh, but from a from an actual practical standpoint from zero to 600 yards you should know you're dope because you know with the Schmidt and Benders Mill Dot Duplex, uh, the most that you can hold without running out of is uh, five mils, mm-hmm. right? Which is roughly about um, if you're dope for the m My Mine was a 5.1 for 650 yards. Yep. So that means I can use without a doubt my reticle from 100 to 600 without even touching my turret. Mm-hmm. again, on a full-size dipstick, right? And and I think wind would have to blow five miles an hour, five to six miles an hour to push, if you're holding on the edge of the target, to push you off target, you know what I mean? So without even touching my scope within five mile an hour, I can engage targets from zero to 600 yards and quickly and efficiently as possible. So, you know, one thing that, um, you know, you could do uh, to kind of drive, knowing your doves and, and, and one of the things that I've realized, you know, getting, you know, training and stuff like that at my range here at, uh, at Burlington is I've got my steel plates. Like I one at 400, 500, 600 by shooting those plates every single day. I don't even have to pull my cash out. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? It's like, I know, okay, with this gun, it's, it's uh, for the, my six, five Creedmoor, it's one six for, you know, my six Creed, it's one five for my three Oh eight. It's, um, you know, uh, two mils flat and what that does it allows me to okay getting going back to the sniper mindset if a target popped up at 450 yards if i know my dope for 400 yards is 2.2 mils or 2 mils i'm putting 2 mils on the top of his forehead yep hoping that knowing that all right a little bit of mill hold there but i'm going to be like we talked about in that danger space
1: mm-hmm. and i'm going to get so, going to achieve yep. a
0: body hit exactly and i'm going to disturb his oodaloop. You know, you don't have to know your dopes every 25 yards because that's madness. That, that, that's that's a little, you know, crazy. But if, I think if you're if you're confident in knowing your dopes, 400, 500, 600, I, you know, I can rattle them off. For the m 4 3 my 300 dope was 1.3, 400, 2.2, uh, 500, uh, 3.2, and 600 was 4.4. Those were yards. Mm-hmm. That was for it with a uh, muzzle velocity, I think, 26, feet per second in standard atmospheric conditions. Like, and I can jump on any Marine Corps sniper rifle m forty A6 and still achieve impacts by just running off of those dopes data alone. Because again, it's the same exact bullet. You know, maybe we've shed a little bit of muscle velocity because mm-hmm. they're, they're uh, 20 inches now instead of uh, a 24 inch. But again, guys, what that, what that does, it just, just makes you faster and quicker and more lethal. You yeah, know exactly. I mean? There's that's a, the, there's... that's all. Whole point i'm trying to drive across
1: yep there's another little formula out there too that reinforces what phil's saying is um typically speaking if you have like a a 308 175 green match king at about 2650 feet a second which is an average muzzle velocity for um you know a 20 to 24 inch barrel just depending on what ammunition lot you get you can do um range in hundreds uh, meters range and meters hundreds um, minus 1.5 so if i've got a target at 300 meters i take one uh, three then 300 becomes a three and you take 1.5 away from three and you hold 1.5 and shoot uh, yeah. um, and it goes it, it holds true out to about 600 meters 600 maybe yeah, 700 so six, depending so six
0: so it'd be six minus 1.5 which correct. is 4.5 Oh, yep. that's perfect. Oh, that's, yeah. I mean. The-
1: yep. And then you can figure, you can use, you can do that. Um, sometimes the math doesn't work out with all of the different projectiles. Um, but uh, the math will generally work like um, uh, we figured it out for the 300s. It's minus two. So like if you got a range in meters, like 400 meters, turns into four, minus two. I like uh, that. Hold, and sh- hold two mils and shoot. And you're going to achieve a body shot, a body hit. And so... That's the sniper side of the house. That's the, the the fast stuff that you really should have committed to memory to make you that much more lethal on the battle space when you have a whole slew of targets to engage in a really, really fast succession.
0: Yeah. So for everyone asking, you know, hey Phil, what in your 308, what bullets do you run? The only the only bullets that I'll push out of my, any of my 308s is a 175 grand tier match king. <laughs> um it's like, just because i know that bullet like the back of my hand and again it it keeps me relevant
1: yep we we know it's like you you know exactly what it's gonna do
0: so yep so um not saying that i want i don't want to take a chance with you know experimenting with other bullets and stuff like that but uh you know by sh- me shooting the 175 sierra match king um it, it keeps me relevant and understanding okay this is how i need to employ this rifle um, if I was, you know, still carrying the rifle and defense this this station, because yep. again, my passion is like this podcast, it's just being able to teach the guys that are listening, hopefully. And, you know, I'm just passionate about this, mm-hmm. right. And, right and, and I, I want oh. you to know that I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it to myself to stay relevant in this world. Um, because no one else is going to do it. Very true. You know? Um, so, uh, you know i that yeah super passionate about it this is a great <laughs> podcast this has, been, this has been a great pot uh, you know all of our podcasts has been great but i think these last two definitely um, hit the nail home or i think three now this is podcast six uh the last three really yeah, good, yeah. having the technical information yep. this is podcast um, number six so. yeah,
1: man. This is all good stuff, and, and man again, you guys are you guys are crushing it with the feedback. We really
0: appreciate it
1: and um like I said, man, we're just getting started.
0: Oh dude, just getting started. yeah, so if you guys like this, um you know the, the best way you can thank us like I talk about is just sharing it with a friend, uh sharing it with a you know um, a partner, um, you know because again sniper's working too. so share it with a buddy. if you like the content, you know share with uh, share it on your on your page that just gets the word out. And, uh, you know, Kayla and I are excited to, you know, not only do podcasts, but, you know, follow up with videos as well. You know, that's actually, um, on my to-do list right now is uh, follow up a lot of what we've been talking about the last few days, uh, with video content, Got um, a just again, going back. Yep. Just going back to, again, Kaylin and I are teachers. We understand that there's three ways of learning audio, visual, and kinesthetic. Is that right? Con- Am I Kin- saying kinesthetic. That right, Kin- Kinesthetic. kinesthetic the only way you're going to get kinesthetic learning out of us is if you attend one of our classes and training, I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. That's how we feed our families, but the best we can do for now is give you some audio uh, and visual um, learning tools. Yep. And give you the guidance to, to go off and on, do it on your own and,
1: and uh, learn through discovery. That's also you have to do, you got to learn through discovery. Sometimes you got to just get tossed to the wolves and figure it out when in doubt put a bullet in the air yep all right man okay dude well i will see you um shortly and we'll do uh we'll connect again for another episode coming up here pretty quick
0: yep thanks guys thanks for listening and uh keep your face on the gun right on guys take it easy